earphones, shaking your bones. It's ready. We're ready. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you were one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Fear not, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Brooklinen. Brooklinen's bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's celebrating his, what, seventh? Seventh Father's Day now? Father, friend, podcaster, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Yes, and hello. Happy uh, belated Father's Day to everyone listening. And um, also, two things quickly up top. But for the Father's Day, a very special Father's Day to everybody celebrating their first. And also, um, my heart's out to everyone who is experiencing one who recently lost a father being there for my folks when that happened. I know it's a hard time of year. And um, we love you and we're with you. Yeah. And a less sad note... um, there's bonus content at the end of this episode. Uh, yeah! I had a chat with um, musician Sean James, who's like a folk blues um, singer and musician. And he wrote Through the Valley, which is the song that Ellie sings in the first trailer for The Last of Us 2. You might remember the trailer. She's on the bed playing guitar. Uh, and you see like dead bodies. And then Joel walks into the room and he's like, you really going to do this? And she's like, I'm going to kill every last one of them. Like that super... Like whenever it was, three years ago, four years ago. Anyway, Sean and I had a chat. We talked about the song and his involvement and, and Sony and Naughty Dog reaching out. So that is at the end of this episode. You can look forward to that. Yeah, super cool, man. And uh, it's a it's an amazing, weird, crazy time of, of video games. We're in this sort of not E3. We're in the post launch of one of the biggest games of this or any year, Last of Us Part Two. It's a big week, and we have a big guest, an awesome guest, to talk about all this stuff with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because, once again, DLC stands for... Destiny Live Plays in Cyberpunk. <laughs> because we have Twitch partner, podcaster on Gamertag Radio, and all-around awesome dude. Our friend Paris Lilly is back with us. Hey, Paris. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I know we had been talking for a couple of weeks to try and make this happen. I'm, I'm glad the schedule is finally aligned. Thank you for having me. I am me. too, and I appreciate it, especially on Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to you as well. Yeah, yeah and, and same to you. Happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you. Uh, man, there's a lot to get to. Uh, so let's jump right in. You know, we usually start with story of the week, but this is kind of like E3, even though E3 is not happening. And I know, I know everyone, uh, no official E3 in 2020, which means no official E3 hype train bumper. But ladies and gentlemen, it is still the summer of games, which means we've got the brand new, freshly coined summer of games bumper to kick things off. It's the summer of games on DLC. You're gonna get hyped up and the news will live up to your expectations. It, it, you know, it was it, true it gets this the, week. 
you get so excited. It gets you all excited. And then Christian just comes right in there and uh, bursts bubbles. That's a but bubble bursting end. They served you well. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, let's start with the most E3-like event this week, which was the EA Play 2020. EA, the big publisher of video games, had their annual uh, you know, press conference type event. This year, of course, everything's digital. And so there was no physical location to go to. But they still had a uh, a live stream that announced their slate of what's coming up. It, it seems to me it was, it was basically a live stream for one game, which is, I mean, I guess not one game, but one game was really the big story that came out of it. Uh, there was a lot of other interesting tidbits, but certainly... The biggest news was Star Wars Squadrons, um, but Paris Which was already. already you... Sorry, I know you're going to Paris. Yes, but sorry, this was it was already newsed, right? Like it was the, the the big news was we got to see gameplay of the other news that they already announced a few days before their big. Anyway, I'm sorry, well, I stepped not, on it. I'm sorry. That's not unusual. That's not unusual. I mean, if you'd put it in the E3 context, oftentimes we would get the, you know. A story trailer or a CG trailer uh, at one of the events that leads up to the publisher's event. And then the publisher's event shows us the gameplay and it's still a big deal. I mean, that happened with Anthem that happened with, there's a lot of games that that happens with, that happens with cyberpunk, <laughs> you know, that happened with a lot of games. So I don't think it's that unusual or different. I can understand it being a little um, lackluster from your perspective, Christian, because it, it, there wasn't full of big reveals, but let's go to Paris. Paris, what was your take on the EA Play event overall and specifically with uh, Squadrons, Star Wars Squadrons? Overall, I was underwhelmed. Um, I, I felt for this being a year that we're transitioning into the next generation of gaming, even if the games weren't coming in 2020, if you, like if you go back to the PlayStation reveal, they at least were showing you things that were coming down the road, right? So I was hoping to see that from EA. And while the announcements, like what they're doing with Apex Legends, the crossplay, it's coming to the Switch, that's great. Obviously, them going back to Steam, that is great. I love how it obviously opened um, and the message they had at the opening and then even the message during, during the Sims portion. All that's great. But I wanted... I wanted to see more. I in, instead of just seeing concepts for things that were coming from Bioware or Dice, I wanted to actually put a name on it. Go, this is Dragon Age. This is what you can expect in 2022 or something like that, right? Or here's Battlefield Six. I wanted to see more of that, and we didn't get it. But Star Wars Squadrons, I love that. I mean, it's forty dollars. It you know the, the the multiplayer modes in there look great. I love how they're having the dual campaign modes. No microtransactions. It's not a live service. I, I kind of watching the actual gameplay of it. It looks like it's going to be Star Fox in the Star Wars universe. I'm, I'm I'm here for that. Absolutely. That that looks great. It looks like a great bar. Not I don't want to say bargain, but like a great value for for what you're getting in, in that forty dollar package. And we're getting it this October. But overall, I, I just wish EA would have had more. Like, obviously, we're in a strange time in this world right now. I don't necessarily know if EA needed to do an actual EA play. I mean, hey, Greg Miller was great. The production was great. Honestly, they could have just showed some trailers and we could have mm -hmm. been done. I, I don't think we needed a whole show for what they did for EA play this year. Yeah, I guess I'm 
conflicted. Oh, and Skate. Because, and Skate was great, too. So, sorry. Yeah, Skate was just sort of mic drop at the end. That yeah. was the one more thing. But again, clearly a game that's nowhere near right. being, you know, they had nothing to show. It is basically a, hey, we've started work on this, which kind of reminds me of uh, Ubisoft a few years ago with, uh, you know, Beyond Good and Evil 2, where it's like, hey, we, we started working on this. Uh, and then, you know, years go by and we get little trickles of updates. But um, I think a skate game is is probably multiple well maybe just a year but probably multiple years away yep. uh it sounds like they just get, got going on this but it's a cool thing saying hey you demanded it we're making it i think that's a fun fun one more thing um and i agree with you I, i'm i'm sort of conflicted that it did feel like an event built around one game's gameplay reveal and then filled out with other things but as a sort of celebration of a big publisher in a in a time period when we traditionally check in with big publishers and find out what's going on with them i did like the tone i did like the inclusiveness and diversity on display i did like how they focused on people and i thought i didn't think that was just lip service i thought that was a genuine um a, genu- a genuine tone shift that i thought yes. was was pretty great and it was kind of cool checking in. Well, let, let me just run down basically the event. If, if anybody didn't catch it or is, is listening to us for their for their summer of games type news, uh, basically started off with uh, announcing a bunch of games, including Apex Legends, um, coming to new platforms. Uh, EA is bringing games to new platforms, including lots of games coming to Steam and lots of games coming to Switch. It sounds like they're going to um, support Switch in a very big way, and they're going to basically bring their whole library to Steam, which I think is very good news. Uh, I'm very happy about that as somebody who's sort of Steam-centric on PC. And... Um, and then, you know, they went in and checked on uh, EA Originals, which is their sort of indie publishing arm. Um, Hazelight's new game, It Takes Two, there's a lot made of that, although we don't quite know what it is, but it sounds like it's coming um, relatively soon. And then a, a new new uh, publisher or a new uh, developer called Zoink Games uh, showed Lost in Random, which is a really kind of interesting looking game from my perspective about a, a little girl and and her her die, although it bothered me throughout where they called a single die a dice. That bothered me uh, as, a, as a militant grammarian. Um, but And then they showed uh, Rocket Arena, which is another new game that looks like a kind of a mix between um, um, uh, Rocket League and, and some sort of uh, multiplayer shooter. Uh, and then Star, Star Wars Squadrons got a lot of time. And then there were these teases that Paris kind of referenced a bit uh, that showed like work in progress, kind of snapshots, very vague about what the big EA studios are working on. Bioware, Motive, uh, the Battlefield team, Criterion, um, and then ended with Skate. So it, it it was a an event that was sort of thin on lots of actual concrete projects. It really felt like it was just two or three concrete projects that are coming soon. But I I don't know. I kind of felt like I was glad that we had the check-in with EA. I thought it was cool. It seems like everybody is concentrated on next gen and revving things up. Oh, I should say there was also the requisite EA sports moment in there as well, but it really didn't show much. You know, it was just kind of a package that a trailer that was more general. Um, But, you know, I I think the Bioware, certainly it sounds like they've rebooted, dragon age four a bunch of times and it seems like it's a far off and 
Uh, I was surprised, frankly, that there's no Battlefield in 2020. Uh, sounds like they're taking this year off and they'll bring it back in 2021. Um, so, and, you know, the motive game is is mysterious and who knows what it is. It looks kind of like a third-person multiplayer shootery type of deal. So, I, I mean, I, I sympathize with what, what you both sounds like you both are saying. Um, Christian, you're in agreement on this being, I mean, it sounded like you were kind of poo-pooing the whole yeah, thing I, from I the top. Squadron is is very exciting, uh, and I'm excited to to play that in VR. I think that's very exciting. But Rocket Arena Two, I I kind of want to read the business study about that because that game was announced over a year ago, and Nexon was publishing it, if I remember correctly. And like, yes, that is correct. It was like a beta; it was free to play, and now it seems like it's very much not free to play. I remember being excited about it last year, or, or cautiously optimistic. Because I think it has a bunch of oh, I want to get this wrong. Is it three four three or Bungie folks? I think it has some X some point halo folks <laughs> apologies <laughs> to those studios um yeah i don't know i think again the production value was nice it, it seemed like this could have been a year that ea could have not done it and just said because of you know coronavirus we've decided to reassess here's this in-depth look at star wars squadron we're so excited for what we have coming um and i think everybody would have understood and it seemed like there wasn't a whole a whole whole bunch to show at an event like this and I think that's to me maybe the next step of this. Like, you don't need to have an E3. It's like I don't think you need to have a a big event if you just do one thing. Nintendo. That's the next step of Nintendo. They did a great job of that. Like, we're gonna have a Smash Direct, and that's all yeah. it is. See, right, I think you bring up yeah. the great point what, what you just said about E3 and and all that. Imagine if we did have E3, COVID didn't happen, and this was their press conference at EA Play. And we're all there. I'm, I'm, I'm be honest right now. I would have been driving going, why did I drive all the way to Hollywood for this? I didn't need to be here for this. I guarantee you I would have said that. And, and let's also remember, you know, there was, it was highly rumored of the Mass Effect remaster potentially. I mean, right, not that yeah. they, you know, did and I know rumor and speculation. I mean, that would have completely changed the context of this conversation if that would have been there. So I, I just yeah. felt it was very content light on, on, what I thought they would be like, Hey, here's, here's what you can expect for the next gen. I, and I don't know if you remember, remember this, Jeff, were you there at E3 in 2014? I believe it was. And yeah. I, I just call it the, to- <laughs> the, the, the donut show for EA. And it was very oh, yeah. similar to this where they had nothing to show. I think they had a battlefield game and that was it. Everything else was concept. There was, there yeah. was nothing else that they could that show. That big so, white hallway with the, yes. with the screen. Yeah, I remember that yep. with the white tables, like circular yep. white tables everywhere. Yeah, I remember that. In fact, they showed a, a Criterion project that was yeah, that like, looked really cool to me. That was like the all the different extreme sports type of situation. Like, it's like not uh, burnout, but from the people who did, it's yeah, it like, AT, ATVs and wingsuits and uh, all, you know, it was like, and of course, and that's never never happened. So in that sense, I think some of these things that we saw with the studio teases, that motive game could very well not end up being anything. You know, I, I think it's pretty safe that we'll see a battlefield game, pretty safe. We'll see a need for speed and pretty safe. We'll see whatever Bioware's next thing is dragon age four. But, uh, but you know, th- those things cannot happen when they're shown that early. So I, I can understand not putting their foot in the ground and saying coming in 2022 or whatever it is. Um, and you're right. I I honestly think you're onto something, Paris, in, in the sense that it felt like this was just residual momentum from having an event planned for this year in the sense that 
you know, what EA play really is, is this user outreach promotional event where they get a bunch of people to come to, to Hollywood mm-hmm. and wait in line and, and have this event for fans. It's a, it's become a fan event. Like EA pulled out of E3 several years ago, started doing their own thing, not even near the convention center at all. It's in Hollywood and the convention center is downtown Los Angeles, very, very far away from each other. And basically became well, this for people not public. in LA, very, very far away from each other in terms of traffic. Yes. Uh, please <laughs> know that the only thing that matters. Christian. On, on the map, we realize they're very close. I realize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a uh, time is a flat circle. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the point I'm trying to make is that I feel that at a certain point, EA, the EA play wasn't really even about the press or a press conference or what EA3 ostensibly is. And it became EA's way to sort of have this fan event. And because they had planned this fan event, they probably started months and months and months before COVID was a thing, putting together how these packages were all going to be presented and what games were going to be there. And while those things can change and do change in the short term leading up to the event, it, it, it felt maybe like it was just residual momentum for that thing. And, and maybe you guys are right. Maybe next year we'll see fewer of these things. Companies won't feel the need to have this sort of company-wide check-in that used to be what E3 was about. And it will feel more like, hey, if we have something to announce, we'll announce it whatever the day on the calendar is. And we'll just do that thing. And that'll be that thing. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I still, I'm, I guess I'm just old and stuck in my ways. And I like the idea of this thing in June where a company stop, you know, stops everything they're doing and says, here's our sort of A to Z uh, for what we're, we're talking about right now. And yeah, there's fewer things happening soon. I think that's revealing and I find that interesting, but I totally sympathize with the, you know, light on content perspective. But let's dive into the content they did have, i.e. Star Wars Squadrons, because uh, you know, I went a little bonkers hearing that it is VR supported on every platform, uh, which is amazing. Even on PC, they're going to have uh, VR supported the entire game. It is completely cross compatible. You'll be playing in VR against people who are not playing in VR, which opens up the player base. It's exactly how I would have wanted this to happen. And of course, the kind of experience that just sings in VR because you can do it seated. It feels like you're in a cockpit feels like you have a cool helmet on when you have the VR headset on. Jeff just is all playing really works. Star Wars Squadrons. He's flying around in an X-Wing. Hey, support me over here. He's flying around looking at all the beautiful... What, what's right I'm getting now? killed. You... I'm getting killed. And this area so pretty in VR. Look at my... What is bo- happening? Jeff, what, stop doing a musical? singing around and come help us. We need to take down this Imperial. I love VR so very much. I, I'm not following the bit, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, it just sings I, in VR, baby. Oh, it sings in VR. Yes. I, also I flight stick uh, compatible, which is right. almost as big. I think bigger to a lot of uh, diehard flight folk. I, I agree. Not for me, but uh, yes, uh, yeah, that is amazing. A lot of people, we just had um, Cicero Holmes on uh, a couple weeks ago talking about his flight stick for uh, Lead Dangerous. Lead, yes. I'll say this, Christian. Do you remember, not last year, maybe not even the year before that, but it might have been the year before that. It may have been three years ago now. I predicted there would be an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter reboot in VR as one of our predictions. 
So I was just a little ahead of my time, but I think this is basically what that is. And are, we talking, super... are we talking predictions already? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. We'll, we'll get to your prediction. Um, but uh, it is, uh, it is, it, it looks gorgeous. I'm excited. Paris, are you excited about this game? Does it look cool to you? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, there is that thing that I, I, that is in the back of my head, that little voice in the back of my head that says, um, a lot of these type of games, these dog fighting games, uh, I have found in the past to be a bit frustrating where it's like, oh, I got them in my sides. I got them in my sides. Well, I have no idea where they are now. I have literally no idea. They went past me and I have no idea where they are. Uh, so there's a lot of that experience. But the way they talked about this game in the sense of there being this high skill ceiling of being able to, you know, put on your afterburners or whatever they are, your space jets whatever it is and uh shoot past an, a target then spin around 180 degrees and shoot your photon torpedoes right in their face like there are these maneuvers that they're building into the game that take a lot of skill that you can pull off i feel like that is sounds really cool and i've never really heard a dog fighting game talk like that so i'm hoping that it f- has this arcadey feel to it that f- is is approachable and fun immediately but also has a lot you can learn yeah uh, i mean the bonus mission on battlefront one star wars battlefront one that vr bonus yeah. mission i thought that was incredible and this seems to kind of lean into that but like double down in a lot of ways i really liked how they said you know everything you need is in your cockpit so it's not like artificial uh hud type display it's like you're using yeah. the instrumentation that that pilot would actually be using um there's a little I I think maybe it was on IGN, uh, one of the conversations with the devs. I talked about they took like the shield boost um, move from watching uh, uh, last Star Wars episode nine. And like that stuff's cool. Like I get excited about them being excited about the combat in the movies. They talked about Rogue One and how a lot of the combat in that was inspiring. And yeah, this game looks like it's pushing all the right buttons. I imagine the campaign will be you know three hours to get you ready for multiplayer (laughs) but if the multiplayer delivers on what i think it should uh i'm ready to squadron up you know yeah man 5v5 it sounds rad yeah i I think the thing that excites me the most about this is is the fact that that uh ea or i believe it's motive is is the one that's making this they're embracing what it is they're not trying to be anything else there's not this tacked on campaign where you get out as the pilot and you're on hoth running around like no you're in the (laughs) ship and you're doing dogfights. that's what you're doing and then you'll probably they'll probably probably of what a eight to ten hour campaign you'll be done with that and then you're just straight into the multiplayer because that's the meat of the game so yeah i'm excited for it I mean, as somebody that lost my mind playing just that short little VR mission in Battlefield, Battlefront, excuse me, um, I just, I, I think this is, it works so well in VR and I love that it's going to be on PC. So be able to crank the settings up and play it on my index and I just, I, and I can't believe it's going to happen in October. It's going to be here October 2nd. That is uh, very, very cool that it's coming out this soon and. I, you know, it's, it's, it it's 40 bucks. It's $40. Yeah, it's 40 so, it's, it's, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good value for what it is. I'm, I'm excited for it. Christian, uh, Paris brought up the fact that skate is coming back. We know it's not coming soon, but I know you're a big skate fan. Were you popping for this one? I, I'm op- 
optimistically excited. Um, cautiously optimistically modifier, modifier, modifier excited. Um, I'm excited about, I think there's, you know, Skate XL and other games in the genre kind of try to pick up that baton now for a bit. Um, but to be living in a world where hopefully, knock on wood, we get a good Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remaster coming like very soon. I think it's September. And then we get Skate 4. Like, what am I? 18 again? This is the best. I'm, I'm stoked. And I hope that Skate 4, to me, a big part of it, um, I forget if it was 2 or 3. But I spent a decent amount of time in like the film your skater mode. There's a more elegant term for that. I forget what it was called. But like you could do really cool like clips and highlights because pulling off moves in in the skate franchise was a feat in and of itself. And they made a really fun way to kind of celebrate the player and and you could share it with people and save your clips. So I hope it kind of doubles down on that. And um, I understand it's hard. I hope they knock it out of the park. But, you know, it's a franchise that people hold in high regard and those are big shoes to fill after this many years. If they had would have cranked one out six months after Skate 3, it could have sucked and no one would have cared, right? <laughs> but now it's yeah. like Skate 3 is on this pedestal, and, and I hope they knock it out of the park. Paris, how do you feel about the you guys made it happen with your comments? Is that you think that's a positive thing? I feel like that has a, is a double-edged sword in this world of video game uh, commenters. <laughs> it, it is, it is a double-edged sword. I mean, you could even take it into, you know, movies like with uh, the Snyder cut, right? So it's yeah. like everyone's being very vocal and one time it actually happens and we're celebrating. So then that's going to encourage people to be even more vocal. And then when it doesn't happen, now everyone's going to be upset. So yeah. it, it, it is a very fine line in that. I mean, I'm happy to see this, obviously that, that they're doing it, but yeah, what's going to be the next game that everyone's going to want to rise from the grave and then it doesn't happen and all of a sudden EA's the devil or Activision or whoever because they yeah. didn't listen to the fans and then they're probably like, it wasn't financially viable. That's why we didn't do it. So, yeah. yeah. I won't be happy until they release Zack Snyder's Skate 4. Like, that's what it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, the Snyder Skate. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, that was the EA play. As I said, as we all said, uh, not tons of stuff to dig into there, but I think exciting, exciting, um, certainly on the Star Wars front. And uh, I'm I'm glad that they're continuing to make those EA originals and uh, have that independent spirit inside such a big publisher. I think it's a good thing. Um, so, you know, little tidbits to be excited for. And if you're if you're an owner of a switch. You should be really excited um, for all the, you know, Apex Legends on Switch and Burnout Paradise is coming to Switch. Uh, I guess I think it's out. Yeah, I, you're right. It is out. Seven, seven games, seven more games from EA coming to Switch uh, in the next few months. So, can I ask one question before before we transition to the other thing? Because you brought up sure. Apex and the fact that it's on Switch now. It seems. I'm curious what you think. It seems to me the next logical step is going to be to get Apex on mobile. And then mm. I think at that point, like I, I'm, I was watching it real time when we were live streaming and I go, they're, they're, they're trying to be a Fortnite competitor. I, I think that's where this is headed with Apex. I think Pending you're right. Uh, yeah. EA job listings, Paris, you're a hundred percent correct. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's like mobile must have a shooter experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and why not, right? It, it is shown to be a uh, viable platform for a lot of Fortnite players, and this just feels like that same kind of community-driven, endless entertainment game. I, I think that's a smart idea. It's a smart idea. 
Yeah. So, well, I, I, you know, tune in this this space in a few months and you'll hear us talking about the announcement of it on mobile, I'm sure. Um, but let's uh, let's move on and uh, talk about some of the other news that happened this week. Um, but there's another really big story. And I, you know, I don't even know if we have do we have time to get to it, I, I guess. I mean, play the bumper, Jeff, play the bumper, the one that's, you know, Spice Stradamus. He always gets it right. <sighs> Spice Stradamus. I'm not even, even sure tonight. we have, you know, I'm not even sure we have time to go into it because uh, I, there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of. Christian running around taking laps, victory laps, and it just it feels like maybe we don't have time. But well, uh, also, I mean, I'm glad we were able to get Paris on the show because I thought for sure he had a heart attack and fell over when he when he found out. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I I thought it broke the man. I know he, he's willing to give CD Projekt Red time to make the game the greatest it could be, but after I saw I got that tattoo on his back of the actual release date, I just felt. <laughs> so devastated for <laughs> so of course cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed again christian predicted this in our uh, end of the year or first of the year episode in january this year uh i scoffed and said they, they wouldn't announce another date and then push it again and yet it keeps happening so uh was supposed to be september 17th now it is november 19th for cyberpunk punk 2077 Paris, as someone who is clearly very much anticipating this game, how do you feel? I'm, I'm bummed. Clearly, uh, it was a quick little story. I was talking to my wife doing something, and my phone was just like about to fall off the table. It was vibrating <laughs> so much because everyone's texting me and tweeting at me. Are Their you condolences? Yeah. <laughs> and then I see the news, but I mean, I'm bummed. But I also look at it this way. I want that game to be amazing when it comes out. I don't want a Fallout 76 scenario where it it comes in hot and it's super buggy. I want it. So if they need two more months to fix it, fine, just do it. At at this point, I've waited almost eight years. I can wait two more months. Yeah. I mean, we saw The Last of Us 2 get some delays and that game came out (laughs) A-OK. You know, like I can can wait a bit for a, a great game. And The Witcher 3 you know, had a few of its own and yeah, they knocked that game a couple times too, yeah. out of the park. Well, let me, let me ask you this one, Spice Stradamus. Is this the last delay? It feels like November 17th is basically as late as you can get to have a game come out before holiday in this, in this world of ours. So it feels like a, uh, a hard last stop, but this is also CD project bread, which has a very high, a uh, very high quality level that they enforce on themselves and is a company that has been very public about not doing crunch and not forcing their employees to try to you know make a date uh, via crunch. So what do you think? Spicer Thomas laid on the line. Is this the last delay? My gut is yes. That is the, my gut answer. Putting it on the line is yes. I, I think there are very reasonable reasons for why there could be more, i.e. launching, you know, with next gen a little later into that cycle. But I think they want to get this version out. At, to, it seems like this could still be kind of a day and date. But also, they said that it's not launching for next gen on November 19th, if I read that correctly. It's like it'll be playable via backwards compatibility. And there'll be a little bit of like, you know, bonuses for people playing on those consoles but we'll have a full next gen version out later and it will be free for people who have this current version um so yes by all intents and purposes i i think that this is their date 
It's going to come out. It might feel weird to buy it for Xbox One the same day you buy your Xbox One Series X. But they got to give you know Paris and all the people that have their <laughs> Cyberpunk consoles uh, that <laughs> Cyberpunk Xbox One that came out. It comes out what? Did it come out already? Is it's, it out? It's already out. Yep. Oh my. That feels. That just feels. It just feels sad. <laughs> this is like all excited. It's like the uh, you know the, the guy who gets all excited and gets dressed up uh, f- for something and then walks outside and realizes that he's six months early for the event that he was supposed to go yeah. to. <laughs> oh boy! Um, but it, they said it's feature complete. Uh, you know. So yeah, I know no, we're I, gonna get. I, I, I want yeah. them to make the best game that they can make. Obviously, I don't. I don't want it to be this kind of what's become the calling card for Bethesda. You know, where it's like we will put it out on the date, and then the patches will be what actually makes it playable. You don't want that, and I don't think CD Projekt Red wants that. They want to have a game that comes out as complete and as um, bug free as possible. And so I, I, I give them a lot of credit. But also, Christian, you brought up this idea that it is now pushing very close to what we presume will be the actual next-gen console release dates. I can't imagine that uh, the Xbox Series X or PS5 will be too much later than November 17th. Got to figure it'll be right in that wheelhouse somewhere. Uh, and you you mentioned that the game will be playable on those next-gen consoles day and date. Uh, evidently, the official word from CD Projekt Red is that the game will look better on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X right away on day one, but there will be a more robust upgrade to take better advantage of next-gen hardware released via a patch sometime after the launch of the game, which is super weird to me and a little bit of a bummer. If you're all excited about your new console and you plug your brand new Cyberpunk 2077 into it, I want that to look as great as it's going to be right from the start, right? Clearly, this is a game we're going to be playing for a long, long time, I think. It's going to be a big, robust, many, multiple hundreds of hours experience. But uh, who knows how many weeks or months after November 17th that patch will be released. So, Paris, what do you think of all that? I I think they're... I, I take them at face value what they're saying because I, I again I'm I'm a super nerd so I actually listened to the investor call when it came out and yeah the game's 100 percent complete as it is and they're spending this extra time to squash bugs so it's we're putting all our resources towards that versus putting resources towards getting the quote unquote enhanced version ready for PlayStation Five and Series X and when you really think about it the majority of gamers that are going to play this are still going to be on Xbox One and PlayStation Four anyways in november because not everyone's obviously going to upgrade right away so i would guess probably q1 spring 2021 we we see that patch come out i i personally will be on pc so none of this matters to me but i will be too i mean it's pretty much made up my mind right that that makes up my mind i go oh well that means i have to buy it for pc so you know so be it. But I, we should also note, uh, to their credit, that they have said that uh, anyone who buys the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One version of Cyberpunk 2077 will get a next-gen copy for free within the same console family. So if you have the PlayStation 4 version, you get the PlayStation 5 version for free. If you have the Xbox One version, you get the Xbox Series X version for free. That's cool. That's cool. It's, it's not something they had to do. I'm glad that that's the case. Agreed. 
Yeah. So again, November 19th, pending any other future uh, delays, but boy, it sure feels like that is the last possible day it can come out to still be a holiday release. Um, So, you know, I'm still very excited for that game, but it also means, I mean, here's another thing that we haven't really talked about. It also means here's this huge hundred hour deep role-playing game experience coming out when presumably new console launch titles are coming out. Halo. Um, Halo. I thought Miles about Morales, this already. Spider-Man. Yes. You know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of stuff coming right at that time. We don't probably don't even know a few big things that are coming. Um, I'm guessing Assassin's Creed Ragnarok. Uh, there, There's a lot of pretty important things dropping yes that always happens around that holiday time time frame but boy i was sure happy that i'd you know would have some time with cyberpunk in september before uh before that crunch but i guess not jeffrey 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 okay cyberpunk you put i put my neck out uh for the delay again I, i know paris's answer so paris you can answer if you want to but like i already know it um cyberpunk and ragnarok come out on the same day or same mm. same week same you know maybe tuesday friday yeah. let's just say same day what do you play first Ugh, ugh. i feel like cyberpunk is more of the unknown which makes me want to play it first you know it feels more like the undiscovered country and yes ragnarok is in a new setting and i'm i'm super excited for playing as a viking and all that stuff sequel to like your favorite game of this generation it seems or you know maybe god of war then odyssey but yes that's accurate uh but yes i mean uh, definitely super excited about assassin's creed and we'll be playing the crap out of it i'm sure but i'm just i'm more curious about cyberpunk more curious about how that world is built and all the it just feels like more of a departure and so i'm i think i'm more interested to give that a shot but I could the 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 real bad thing is if that happens I could plausibly really see Ragnarok being more fun right away and drawing me away from Cyberpunk. You know what I mean? And and that's what's really stinks is that the, the, the all of these things being bunched up and and clumped together feels like they're competing for my time and I don't want to short shrift any of these really amazing experiences I that I assume will be you know the other All side right. of that is i'm glad i have time to play ghost of tsushima now <laughs> you know, right. you know, like assuming that game is as as big and as quality as it seems to be before it was like okay i have two weeks to get through that <laughs> and then cyberpunk dude i mean this there's always something could, though the subtitle of this entire episode uh nay our entire podcast for the last several years is too many games um but in particular this week, uh, because of the Summer Games Fest, I, it has hit me <laughs> profoundly. But we'll get to that in the playlist, which is coming up uh, right after we take a break and thank our sponsor, Brooklyn. And ah, Brooklyn is my sheets. These are the sheets that I crawl into every night. So grateful to have Brooklyn in, making me feel that luxurious, high end bed experience it it's so it's so amazing how much a small change can have a big effect and i'm here to tell you i lived for so many years of my life with sheets that i just 
I thought that's how all sheets felt. I thought that when I went to a nice hotel, which was almost never, but when I did, I thought it was like some special thing of a hotel. I didn't think that I could actually have that every single day, but you can, you can, and it doesn't have to cost a, a bazillion dollars. The high-end luxury experience can be had without that high-end luxury cost with Brooklinen. And they have everything to make you feel comfortable. They got towels, they have loungewear, and they have bedding, things that just make you feel great. And Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. But they're also, uh, you know, they've got all these extra things you can you can get, towels and loungewear and other kinds of bedding. And they have more than 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. So you don't even need to take my word for it. Uh, this is, I- I'm telling you, it was a huge upgrade when I got my Brooklyn and sheets. They feel so nice. They they look attractive. We have several different pairs. My wife uh, really got into selecting the kind of uh, stylish different patterns that they have available and colors. Uh, lots of variety for you to choose from, but all of them just feel like a dream when you slip into them, as I do every night. Brooklinen.com is the perfect place to start making small changes that can make big differences. And Brooklinen is so confident in their products that all their sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. So go on, make yourself comfortable. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code DLC only at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DLC for 10% off and free shipping. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Right, let's leap into the games that we have been playing. And first, on the top of the list, I know we talked about it a bit last week, but now Last of Us 2 is out in the wild. Everyone can play it. And Paris, you have been playing it. What's your take? How far are you in Last of Us 2? How, have you finished Wait, the game? Or? Where are we with spo- like? We're not going to do spoilers. Are- we're, we're not going to do spoilers right now. Um, but I, I just want to kind of find out where... Are you, have you finished the game yet? Yes, and 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 I'll say this because I, I I tweeted this earlier today. I have finished it. I finished it this morning, and wow, I I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I have well, a lot please. of thoughts. But and and, and, to- I, and I won't obviously, like I said, I'm not going to spoil anything. But it's yeah. like I I still need time to process this because it's it's very clear that Naughty Dog took a a, a huge risk with the direction yes. that they took the story. Um. And I still and they're paying for it, it honestly. Yeah, well, clearly, yeah. I mean, we we've obviously seen seen the uh, feedback that's been happening, the review bombing and all that. But yeah, like like there's so much good there, but then there's some stuff. I'm like, I don't know about this. It, you know, you know what I mean. So I, I need more time to process it. But I applaud Naughty Dog for doing what they did because mm-hmm. they clearly had the legacy. And, and, the, and the clout in this industry to be able to take a risk like this, especially coming off what the first Last of Us was. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of in that, wow, did, did that happen kind of feeling? I'm, I'm well, yeah. clearly, I know you know, you, you've played as well, but, and, and you, you too, Christian, shout out to the podcast. But, um, yeah, it, yeah. 
I'm, I'm almost speechless because I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, it's I, tough to talk little... about the game without yeah. without spoilers. Yes, because it is really about the narrative experience. And, um, you know, I think we talked a lot about uh, about the game last week, but it's interesting to me in the context now of it being out in the wild uh, and and having the general I public. I picked one from my tree today. Like it's everywhere. You can't. You know, I went out in my backyard. One well, that's growing. because that's because they sent you that Last of Us tree as as your payment. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the thing that I'm noticing, you know, I I got a lot of feedback uh, about my feelings, but it, it was clear to me in playing the game, as you said, Paris, a big swing. Uh, it, it seems like we are in this interesting period now where video games are growing up. <laughs> They're maturing. Uh, we've had M for mature for a long time, but this feels like one of the few first few games that's mature in a, in a completely different way, uh, that it, it really is attempting to do something that most video games don't. Uh, and that's not that's not a critique uh, on the medium. That's not to say the medium is less than in any way. Uh, I love lots of video games that are pure fun and pure, um, pure Twitch, pure ex- escapism. Not even, don't even need to give me a story. They just do something. Great. I mean, I've been playing Slay the Spire on my iPhone because it's now on my iPhone and it's like the fourth platform I've played Slay the Spire on. It's just pure mechanics and just wonderful. I love it. I love video games. But this one definitely feels like it's attempting to be to live in a place uh, that a, a more mature form of art is more commonly trying to do. You know, novels and films and um, other mediums have sort of grown up and become... Uh, Avenues for artists to express really complex things. I'm not saying video games have never done that before. I'm not saying there's never been a video game that's done it. I don't know very many that does it, that do it at this scale. Games that attempt to really say something that really make, affect the the viewer, the player in in a way that this game tries to do. uh, They tend to be small projects. They tend to be indie games. I certainly feel that whenever I uh, think about what remains of Edith Finch, for example, is a game that has affected me. I've carried it with me for many years since playing it. Uh, and I think I always will. There are images and feelings that that game evoked in me that I will never shake. I will never be rid of, nor would I want to. It's an extraordinary experience. Video games do that. But to do it at this scale, with this price tag, with the number of artists working at the top of their game to, to express it, it, it is, this is a very much a mass market product that feels anything but mass market to me it is not a a product that feels mainstream it is not a product that feels like a feel-good experience and um go ahead i i i I challenge that a little bit again bias 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 take whatever you want to throw on me throw on me dear listener i understand um but i feel like this is very mainstream. I mean, it's super polished. The, I, the mechanics are really well thought out, well executed. The, you know, left trigger, right trigger ness of the game. It feels really good in the hand, I think. And you mentioned novels and movies like catcher in the rye 
or what's eating Gilbert Grape or Romeo and Juliet, you know, like mainstream and not just like bubblegum, right? Not a, not a Tom Clancy novel, which I've enjoyed many of, um, but I would put that more in like the bubblegum popcorn style of, of like reading entertainment and films as well. There are certainly um, Apocalypse Now, mainstream, like very mainstream. Um, Godfather 2. Uh, yeah, I said two. Um, uh, very, you know, main, mainstream. Empire Strikes Back, super mainstream, maybe even leaning, you know, from bubblegum. And I think other media has certainly, you know, they create challenging works, but they're still considered mainstream in terms of budget, scope, scale, and what they want, how they want to be considered. And, and to me, Last of Us Part Two is that. It's a very mainstream game, but being mainstream doesn't mean it can't also have a compelling, interesting, thought-provoking narrative. I mean, I guess when I say mainstream, I'm not speaking exactly in the same term you are. Uh, I, I take your point, and I think it's a good one. Um, I think that the more to the point of what I was trying to say is that video games haven't really done that when the product is attempting to sell millions and millions of $60 games when the, the budget to make it is what the budget was likely for last of us two. I don't know the budget, but I'm sure it was not the same as what remains of Edith Finch, if you know what I mean. Um, so games that work at that level tend not to challenge the player Challenge is a tricky word to use. Cause people think of it as how hard is it to beat a boss? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making you, consider things, uh, asking you to empathize with people who video games don't usually even have in their games, let alone ask you to think about or associate yourself with or relate to. Uh, I think it's a bold, bold game. It's a, to say, hey, here's this thing that's a tentpole release for a, a major video game company, and it's kind of dealing with what that game deals with. And I'm not just talking about the violence. I'm not just talking about the 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 idea of revenge or the idea of how violence dehumanizes us i'm just i'm talking about all of the interpersonal relationships all of the things that this game handles with uh, nuance nuance isn't something that video games traditionally have had a lot of you know i i agree at the game you know and i think paris said this as well like the, the game is bold it takes it's not the safe sequel um and while these aren't direct comparisons i think we have seen that in the video game space before and i'm not talking narratively in terms of making you think but i think in terms of publishers putting a big budget and a big tentpole behind a game that you know looked to shake the mold i mean metal gear solid 2 holy crap right <laughs> like all yeah, the but promo you're talking about a different game. thing I, I i'm talking about this thing that we're really seeing, which is people review bombing this game because it it isn't what they thought it was. See, I don't think that's why they're review bombing it, to be perfectly honest. Again, bias, bias, bias. I think it's just I the internet has allowed me to have a wonderful career and I'm forever thankful for what I've been able to do. But there is also a darkness in it. And and a piling on and a doing whatever to get it's not even fifteen minutes of fame anymore it's like fifteen likes of fame and a, a, a counterculture is not the right word but like a a subset or group that piles on a thing to because it's not 
what they want. That's what I'm and saying. We've seen it. We've, but I'm saying it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that, they haven't played it. It's just like a gut. Oh, I heard it's this and I don't like that. Or social justice warrior, this. I don't like that. Or it's uh, this. That's propaganda. what I'm like saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But I'm I, saying that this game is 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 really bold. It, it it is it is not resting on its laurels, and it actually is presenting things that are challenging to the mainstream video game audience. I think I don't know, Paris. What, what how do you feel about it? This without being able to talk spoilers, I know it's hard, but no, no. I, I'm actually your last point. I think is pretty spot on. It's it's challenging us. The game it's making us uncomfortable. This is a very uncomfortable game. <laughs> that's, yes. that's that's a, that's a really good way to put it. It's very uncomfortable and. It's going to force you to kind of get out of your gaming comfort zone and force you to address issues that you don't normally address in gaming. That's that's what I take from this. I go, let's put it this way. My my children will not be playing this game anytime right. soon because this is yeah. definitely not for them. This is a game for adults. It 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 does not hold your hand. It 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 is like I said, it is pulling back the curtain and telling you. This this is reality right now. This is the reality of this world. And not everything is going to be unicorn and rainbows in this world. So deal with it. And, that, and that's what that this part two is to me. And yeah, I'm, I'm tread so lightly. It's like I want to say something so bad. But um, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a way. I'm so curious, honestly, about what what you think as far as um, what you were, you know, how you set it up with, you know, there are things that didn't click for you, things that didn't work for you. Um, is there a way we can talk about those in a vague way that I can kind of glean some understanding about the things? Um, I know you said you're still processing it. It's very fresh in your mind, but are there are there ways that we can sort of talk around I, some I, of the I, issues I that you had? Even the, the way I want to talk around it really leans into... I think someone would catch on to a spoiler. Let's just put it this. Yeah, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Okay, all right. I feel like it'll it'll give someone a good hint towards a spoiler. And I, I definitely know I want to do that. Okay. But, uh, fair enough. It was just like something that was very surprising to me in the game. I'll just put it that way. But I, I do think there is some conflating happening between it being people saying like, Oh, it's a difficult game. And like, it challenges me. And like the narrative is provocative or this, had the other. And then the idea of like how it's being review bombed. I, I, I think those are different. Can I, I say I, this? I think, can can I? And I'm sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to. Of course, no, no, go ahead, please. This is one way I can do it because the thing that I've been seeing a lot on social media and even some of the the YouTube videos that are out now is people seem to be very upset with the story. Like this is this is a terrible story. It's not a good story. I disagree with that in the sense that it's an unorthodox story that doesn't fit the typical narrative of what it what you thought it was going to be. And I think that being so uncomfortable is what has people outraged. If that makes yeah, sense. That's that's my take on it as well. I, I think that I think that people don't like this sense that it's trying to steal away their their ownership of the first. I mean, it's very similar to how people reacted to uh, The Last Jedi, I think, is that there, there is a subset of people that feel like when something narratively is asking them to rethink their assumptions and accept other kinds of people into their fiction, they reject it and think that they're being lectured to in some way or um, 
forced to uh, do something they don't want to do. And I, I think that's unfortunate, but I also think that's what makes the game so so bold and interesting is that there's no way that the team at Naughty Dog didn't know that, right? They knew what they were making and they made it anyway. And I think that's extraordinary. It's, it's really extraordinary. I'm so, uh, I'm so excited for when, you know, we can all talk more freely about this game. Uh, lame plug July 7th is when the, <laughs> the official podcast episodes start on part two. Um, yeah. There's so much I want to say again, bias, 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 whatever you want to throw on me. But I I love Last of Us Part Two so very very much, um, and, and yeah and, and but I feel like when I say like the narrative challenged me, I feel like I'm talking about it in a different way than how I'm reading like the vitriol online, and and so I'd love to be able to like sit down and talk about <laughs> about that about what I think is why it's uh, an important narrative and, and and kind of why it made me feel the, the things it, it did um, in a way where we can not dance around things anymore. Paris, is there anything else that you want to say about the game? I know it, it's just a strange experience having to sort of sum up our thoughts in a, in a way that is incomplete, but is there anything else that you want to add? I would say from a technical standpoint, um, it's phenomenal. Um, again, I think Naughty Dog is just one of the best in the business when it comes to that. And to think that that game, the game that we're playing is on a PlayStation four. I mean, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it just, that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited for the next gen. I'm like, wait, they're doing this. Oh man, what are they going to do when they get, you know, better hardware, you know, for the next yeah. gen? So from a technical standpoint, I, yeah, just bravo to Naughty Dog. It's phenomenal. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it really is. And that's what we were saying last week is that if they'd shown Last of Us Part Two and said, this only possible on PlayStation 5, I'd be like, yeah, no, I understand why. Pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it a, a lot. I, I, I'm so struck by that this weird reception that it's getting uh i mean i, I in, in one sense it was predictable it was anybody that plays the game knows hey man this is not this is not an easy piece of art it's it, and that's that's kind of what i was trying to say with my original tweets that went all crazy um is that it's not it's not an easy piece of art it is not uh it does not go down smoothly it is one that intentionally is prickly and hard to swallow and, and forces you to have a lot of discomfort, um, by design. Um, but, but I, I love that video games are there and not just that video games are there because yes, lots of people pointed out to me, lots of video games that have done that before, but nothing at this scale, nothing with this level of fidelity. And that is, um, that is a thing to be lauded in my opinion. I think that is a, that is an amazing thing and something we'll be talking about a lot as we uh as we move forward in this year of our lord 2020 uh, paris i'm dying to hear state of destiny 2 because a Ooh, lot yes. has happened i know you are a massive destiny 2 guy uh a lot has happened in the last few weeks we have seen strange things in the sky there has been a uh, new uh multiple year of expansions announced what well, oh, oh, give me give me your hot take on destiny 2 um i think destiny 2 
the the future looks good for it as far as where I think they're finally getting to a point where they can make the destiny that they've been wanting to make the past couple of years. And I think this year, this year of shadow keep has kind of been some extreme growing pains for them, both on a, on a technical side and even from a storytelling standpoint. But when you look at the reveal that they had, uh, I guess that was last week or the week before, uh, for beyond light, not only we're getting that we're they're, they're adding, you know, Europa, but they even talked about beyond that, we're getting the Witch Queen, which will be the big expansion in 2021. And then it's, was it Lightfall is going to be in 2022. So they've clearly looked long term with, with Destiny 2. And Luke Smith has said a couple times now, they're not planning on a Destiny 3. They're going to iterate yeah. off of what we have right now. But they've also created this thing called the Destiny Content Vault, where they are going to be removing you know, uh, certain portions of the game and throwing them in the vault. But then they're also going to take that opportunity to bring some old destiny one content back as well. Like when beyond light comes out, the Cosmodrome's coming back and then eventually the vault of glass raid is coming back. And then just on and on, they'll be able to bring some old things back, remove some current things, like basically areas that have low, low engagement. They're going to be able to take away because, the game can't just keep growing the way it is from a technical standpoint. It's really getting hard for them to be able to patch it and just keep up with everything that's going on in the game. So they're kind of streamlining destiny too, which I think is a good thing. And and they're really going to focus more on the content that people are actually engaging in and want to play. Not to mention they're going to keep refining on armor 2.0. We're getting a new subclass with the darkness is coming on. So that's going to kind of change up the gameplay loop as well. Um, weapons, they're going to be sunsetting certain weapons, elevating others, things like that. So, I mean, I, I've been playing this thing since the Elf in 2014, so it it has always been a roller coaster. You know, it, it is some of the highest of highs when it comes to cooperative gameplay. But man, there's there's definitely been some lows in, in Destiny as well, just as far as just the lack of content and just some of their decisions. But I mean, I, it, it's a game I don't ever see me not playing. I mean, I'm I'm invested at this yeah. point, and I think. Yeah what what the direction they're headed is is it looks good i'm I'm excited for it it does seem pretty clear that they never wanted to have a numbered sequel in the first place you know it seems like they've gotten to the point now where they can be past numbered sequels and so we're just stuck kind of with that destiny 2 hanging there on the end that little vestige of a far of of a a long ago time when there needed to be a number at the end Uh, but i think it's a positive thing I, i do think it needs to feel like a living game like an mmo and uh i think that's a i think that's a positive thing and if it you know we've heard there there will be next gen versions of destiny 2 and it will just kind of continue and grow more like a you know like a world of warcraft or a uh warframe christian are you uh are you ever going to go back to destiny 2 i know you loved it for a long time i I was very tempted to this past week, honestly. It, I feel like I am the outlier of the Destiny fandom, so I understand if they're going to move away from me. I love Bungie's... I love the cooperative play, as Paris mentioned. I think it, it's really great what they've kind of done and, and the raids and, and the world they've been able to, to build. Um, the, the raids, the, that style of gameplay they've been able to build and support. But I really love their narrative abilities as well i I mean i think reach halo reach was a phenomenal game and i thought bungie 2's campaign was incredible and i really really loved um oh now i'm in destiny 2 
What did I, I said say? Bungie two. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bungie Bungie two point which is what they yeah. are now post Activision. Yeah. Um, yeah, Destiny 2's campaign and Paris. What was it? Uh, the expansion like two years ago it had uh, K dies. Forsaken it was so. I love it. Was so good, so good. And so I look at all this future stuff, and I'm I'm the person who just like how many how many solo campaign levels do I get? Because this past one, like, there's story and there's narrative, but. Um, I don't want to put words in Paris's mouth for why he thought maybe it was awkward in its storytelling, but that didn't excite. It was like, it felt very MMO ish. Like go collect 10 of these and then bring it back. And then I'll be like, Oh, thank you. With these 10 sheep horns, we'll be able to fortify our fort. And I'm like, that's not what I want. I want, I want like a campaign. And I, I miss that, but I am still scratching or itching for that bungee level feel of a first person shooter. Cause destiny Two. It feels really, really good. So I'm, uh, I have my eye on September, but I'm not sure if what they're bringing to the game is what will bring me back or not. And I think that's fair. I, I do think to a lot of people that have walked away from the game, I, I think they're in a prove it mode right now to get those people back. I mean, I've even been taking extended breaks because I've just not been happy with some of the directions that they've been taking. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so hooked in at this point. I'm not going anywhere. They already got. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you've also been playing some of The Witcher 3. Is this a, a second playthrough or you're working through it for the first time? Uh, more like a sixth playthrough. <laughs> um, Amazing. Yeah, it's that's just that's kind of my comfort game, um, especially with uh, when COVID hit and we all got locked down. Um, yeah. I kind of just didn't want to play any games at all. And that was the game. Like I said, it's a it's a comfort game for me where I know I can just go in and I just like exploring that world and just just living it playing Gwent and stuff like that. So I just, I picked it back up again. I picked up an old save like midway through the original campaign and I just started playing it again all the way through the campaign into hearts of stone. And I'm, I'm about to go into blood and wine right now. So yeah, that's it's just that again, that's just to me, that is the best game of this generation for me. Old faithful. Yeah. yeah. So I was there back to it. That's awesome. Uh, Christian, you've been playing some new stuff this week. What's on your playlist? Yeah, we didn't have time for it last week, but I was playing it then as well. Um, Disintegration. Speaking of former, uh, you know, folks Bungie. that have that have that yeah. pedigree of, of Bungie and Destiny, um, they they have started a, a new studio. And Disintegration is a game um, I was very excited about. We had talked about before on this show. It is a game now. Having played, I'm playing on PC. I was given a code. Um, it is a game I really like. It is a game I wish I loved. Um, And this is just from the narrative perspective. Um, I I was in the beta for the multiplayer, and I honestly do not listen to me about multiplayer. Most of the time, multiplayer gaming is not going to be... Competitive multiplayer gaming, I should say, is not going to be for me. Yes, Overwatch sucked me in for like two years. Uh, Fortnite sucks me in for a season or two. But most of the part... um, most of the time it's not going to pull me in, but what V1 interactive, the world they built with disintegration is what I thought was really compelling and really interesting. And so I was very excited for the, the campaign and the feeling of being on that. Um, uh, what's uh, It's not the jet bike. My gosh, this is what happens when you just move the recording early, like one day I'm like, my brain's not, this isn't DLC time. It's Saturday. Um, or Monday when you're listening to it, but like the hover bike. I, I love the way that feels. And I love the way that they took 
what could be a very complicated control scheme of like first person shooter for all intents and purposes and controlling a small ground force. And I think they are absolutely wizards for what they pulled off on the controller. Like I'm using my whole hand, but it never feels like, you know, breaking my brain the way rock band the first time I tried to use my pinky did. You know, I was like, orange, that doesn't work over there. Um, everything feels very intuitive with like the both shoulder buttons. I really, really love the feel of it. And I like the universe that they've built and kind of the world that it lives in. Um, and, and But then I feel like it kind of just falls short of going into that love stage where I think the, the, the narrative hasn't fully hooked me. The characters feel a little more like caricatures than characters. And then I'm fully willing to admit it's just me. Maybe I just messed up and I can't figure it out. But there's like a small hub world area between missions. And I cannot, I'm I'm a weirdo. I'm an inverted. Hi, pile all of your hate to, on me. I will accept it. I am an inverted uh, Y-axis player. It's inverted in the game. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how to invert it in the hub world. And there's not a lot to do in the hub world. It's talking, mission select, stuff like that. But it drives me bonkers that I can't invert in the hub world. I Hopefully, I'm just missing something, but I cannot find it for the life of me. Um, but the moment-to-moment the gameplay, I really, really enjoy. And I think it, the game looks really nice. I'm curious what your experience is, Jeff, because I know you've been playing it all. Grav bike. Thank you. Uh, hey, Trey, grab bike. I'm curious about uh, your yeah. experience. I was feeling really positive about it when we played the multiplayer beta back whenever that was. And we, we talked about it because I, as you, as you said, the mechanics, the controls, the sort of so novel, elegant, so slick. Yes. And the novel idea of it, which is, Hey, you're kind of playing on two fronts all the time. You're kind of playing this free Z axis first person shooter thing in a cool vehicle, but also you're at the same time, you're kind of playing this real time strategy game where you're commanding troops around on the ground and picking up things with them and doing stuff. And you're kind of always bopping back and forth between those two fronts. And I think that that is really an interesting twist. It's, it's something I've other games have tried. Other games have, have done stuff like that, but never quite in this way. And I think it worked really, really well. I, I appreciate how they made all of that not feel overwhelming and feel empowering. In fact, where you're like, Oh, I have these cool dudes that can do stuff on the ground for me. And, I have this cool grav cycle thing that it all just kind of clicked. And I was really excited for the single player campaign because like you, I prefer single player. Uh, but man, the single player is not great. <laughs> it's not that, like you said, the narrative is not, uh, not, not particularly compelling, at least for me. And the missions are fine. I love, um, yeah. I love the moment to moment. It, yeah. in my hours with it, some of them get, it feels you know, this is the first time maybe I'll say it. I feel like maybe the campaign could be shorter. Um, but I, yeah, I find myself getting really excited in this intense firefight and I'm sending my my troops over this way to do this thing and I'm pivoting around and flanking them and using my grab bike to do this. Um, and then it's like, uh, I did it. Now what? You know, like there's, yeah, it, it just, I really like it. I wish I loved it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I, I kind of sit there as well. I think it... I expected a little more of it having played the demo, which was basically the mechanics and like, Oh, these mechanics are sweet. All they got to do is give me a really cool story. And I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel like the single player campaign was very well delivered. You know, it's too bad. 
Uh, but I think an interesting game, and I think it's going to get swallowed up in sort of this this time, unfortunately. But it is definitely worth checking out if you're really into multiplayer, uh, first-person shooter-type experiences, but want something that has puts a little interesting twist on it. I also think it's, it's like 40 bucks, I believe. Again, I was provided a code, but you know, I, I believe that's the case. And I think it's a hell of a swing uh, from a first-time studio. Like, Obviously, a lot of well-experienced devs, but I'm excited for what they follow this up with. Again, that's called Disintegration. It's on Christian's playlist. But oh my goodness, what's that I see on the horizon of your playlist coming over the bend, coming around? It's, uh, nobody expected this. What is it? Oh, it's just me trying to look like Paris, so I had to buy Ring Fit Adventure when they got it uh, <laughs> on a restock. Paris, that's how—that's why you're ripped, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked if you're a god. You say yes. Um, <laughs> it was restocked. Uh, shout out to Wario64, and uh, thank you for that tweet. That w- It was not to me. I follow him and I – them? Him? I should have confirmed gender. I don't know. I follow Wario64, and I happened to see it at one of the rare times I was on Twitter in the moment, and I jumped on it, got it from Best Buy. Uh, I think they, there might be more of them out in the wild. Um, I've had it for a week now. I've played it four days in the week. My goal is three to four times a week. Um, it, it works out. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I'm always someone that has typically worked out outside of my house, uh, you know, runner for many years um uh high frequency circuit workout person uh for years after that uh the, i find solace kind of going somewhere getting out and whatever I, I i p90x stuff like that i always have a hard time sweating in my house for whatever reason um i need to change that <laughs> now uh because I, I don't feel comfortable going to gyms personally but ring fit adventure it it yeah, it's body weight stuff, and then that um, flexible ring that you put your Joy Cons on, or one Joy Con on, the other straps to your leg. Like, just a few minutes into my first workout, I'm going through the adventure campaign right now, and there were times where I was like, "This, I, I made this too difficult for myself. I need to how, how many squats do I need to do?" And the little ring guy's like, "Just hold it," and I'm like, "You hold it." <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of how I I feel is that it's not the challenge is never to work you out. I think it's so simple to create a workout that can kick your butt, right? Like you said, squat down and pick something up for 40 times in a minute, you know, like you will be dead, right? It, it is not, it's not difficult to create a high impact or even low impact workout. High intensity. Yeah. That will, that will kick your butt and make you sweat. That is not the, that is to me is not the measuring stick here for me. It's does it, gamify it to the point that you want to keep doing it do you do you kind of go past your limit because you're playing this video game or is it just a fun little wrapper for what you would do on a you know like a youtube video of somebody just telling you to do squats i think i think both and 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 i think you know it does gamify it in a fun meaningful way where you're like battling this enemy and progressing through something whereas like if i was just watching a youtube video i'd be like okay bradley i'm done you know i'm going to sit down <laughs> here if i stop i f- i fail right i right. do not beat this boss and i've also found that i work have i've worked out best with coaches before for the same reason like if i'm at the gym and i'm working out by myself this is just me and i get tired it's really easy for me to be like good enough that i'm better than nothing you know i got i right. came in that's half the battle and i think what this does is it, it you know it kind of replicates that 
personal trainer approach where it's like your little ring con guy is like, come on, do it. We're not going to let this thing beat you. And you're like, yeah, I guess I'm not. I am going to do 15 squats here at this thing and then go into overhead press. And then um, the only, the reason I say it's a little bit of both to me, I wish it was a little less cute. Maybe that's not the right word, but it's, you know, again, the Nintendo nails aesthetic in a way like their art design is impeccable. And this game looks better and is more polished. I think than has any <laughs> right being, um, but it, 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 it feels you know it's on the scale of animal crossing to the last of us 2 it's lives in the family of animal crossing right like it's it's that or like breath of the wild style aesthetic Um, (laughs) hilarious if it's like do squats or your entire family dies (laughs) do squats i have your mom with a razor to her neck. Okay, okay. Uh, There's so a sorry. clicker in the corner and it will eat you unless you do another squat. Uh, Naughty Dog, do you have your next game? I would play the crap out of that. Uh, you just hear like, like, like the clicking in the back. Uh, and then you're like, do a burpee? What? I have to do a burpee now? <laughs> you're out of shivs. Ten burpees. <laughs> but, you know, it's a little cutesier than I like. The, the ring con voice like oh, great job and I've, i i work a little better when someone like yells at me a little bit more um but i'm doing it you know and i'm and i'm checking in and it gives you your progress it's nice to see your little stats go up it tells you all the things you did and it it works you out and i think you're right it's not hard to make yourself tired and sweat but it i think it is hard to program and what this is doing is taking all of the headache of programming away from me right like oh jeff what's that youtuber you like for fitness oh paris who is that person you're it's like i'm doing this and it's giving me a a whole body workout i'm not going to become kumail uh from this right but like it's definitely a workout it gets my heart up and if you can find it in the wild and you're looking for something that you can do you know, in a, a relatively small space in your house, I, I highly recommend Ring Fit Adventure. It is, uh, it, it can kick your butt. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. That's Ring Fit Adventure for the Switch. If you can find it, is it is it back in stock in a big way or did you sort of get in there under the wire? I got mine and I quit looking, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It's been, it's been sold out everywhere, as we've said many times on the show, but uh, I can't wait to have Lana back on and she'll, you guys can now Ring Fit Adventure Buddy out. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else on your playlist? I know it's a Friday. Naughty Dog's new game came out. So I started playing Uncharted 4 again. Um, I mean, that, a, that, that tracks. <laughs> such a good game. I love Uncharted 4. I hadn't played it in a very long time. I don't need to talk about it in depth again. But uh, I, I hope I hope that Naughty Dog goes back to that universe. I, I loved Lost Legacy so much. And I'd love to see another game like that it's fun to see the similarities and the differences you know between those two franchises that are very different it's not you know oh they're both first 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 person shooter same game it's like very different in how they feel and play and just how the the levity of the world makes your interactions in it different um yeah it's still a masterpiece in my opinion no doubt beautiful game uh, I'm shocked that neither of you mentioned any Steam summer demos because there's infinity of them. <laughs> and it's basically all I've been doing all, you know, since it started, whatever that was this week. Uh, I mean, this is textbook. Mini games. 
textbook too many games. I, I, I'm overwhelmed. It is kind of the E3 experience at home, right? It, at E3, you could walk up to a kiosk and play a demo for a short time of a game. And oftentimes, many of those games were surprises or, or smaller things that I wasn't aware of. And part of my favorite, one of my favorite things of E3 would be to come away from that show going, oh my God, I discovered half a dozen littler games that are going to be on my radar now that weren't on my radar before. It was Counter-Spy for me like five years ago. It's still one of my most joyous gaming experiences. I love that game. Oh, I mean, there's there, I could list off, I could rattle off so many over the years where I came away from E3 going, I didn't know this thing existed, but now it's one of my most anticipated games. So in that sense, it's kind of creating that experience or attempting to create that experience at home for everybody, which is cool, opening it up to everyone. But on another in another way, there's something much easier about walking around a finite location and walking up to a kiosk <laughs> and playing a thing than there is sifting through this unbelievable f- fire hose of content. It is just insane how many games are there, how many incredible looking games are there. Uh, so I highly recommend it's going until the 22nd. So by the time you hear this, it may be over. Um, but man, the demos. So I played a lot of them. I'm just going to go through sort of my quick top few. Uh, Ghost Runner is a game, Christian, I think you would like a lot. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, uh, this I'm, is, I'm excited for it. Yeah, this is a, a you know, a cyber ninja uh, simulator where you can run on walls and double jump and you, you slice people in half a lot, very with one one swift motion of your your samurai sword. Uh, I mean, it is full on cyberpunk, you know, um, Blade Runner looking universe where you're leaping off of everything. But the crazy thing that I didn't realize about this game is it's also Mega Man or Super Meat Boy or uh, it, it is a pattern memorization and um, and uh, recreation engine. Fail, it fail, is, fail, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, right? try, fail, try. It is one hit death, but instant reload. Right, so you get shot with one bullet from a bad guy or one laser, whatever it is, laser pulse beam or whatever from a bad guy. Game over. You're done. But instantly back. Try again. And you have all of these wild moves at your disposal, including sort of slowing down time and dodging and sliding under things and leaping off stuff. And you are also a one-hit kill machine. You can slice your cyber sword and cut people in half instantly. But if they hit you with any beam, you're dead. And so invariably, it is uh, lots of things coming at you and sort of trying to do something over and over and over until you master it which as you know if you've listened to the show is not my bag <laughs> that's not that doesn't tend to be what i love about games but i know you do christian yeah i'm but curious it, it, if like you can to me the balance of these types of games is always whether there's a tell right like um just turning a corner and there's a pit there but you couldn't see the corner before you got there that's not fun to me what's fun is like you can complete it your first time through and i'm curious like because they showed this um, I think they might have showed this on the Xbox Series X conference also, right? Am I remembering correctly? I, I know they showed it before, and I know now that the, that demo's out. Um, but I'm curious like, how that plays. Like, could, could you maybe get through it, or do you need I to run it again? I think you could if you had mad skills. I, I think this combines sort of the worst of both worlds for me. While I had some fun with this, I, I should say, I'm not just ripping on it. It looks great, and it's 
pretty amazing the variety of moves you've got. I, I suspect this is going to be a game streamer's dream because it really lets you, you know, razzle dazzle. It really lets you show off your, your mad skills. Uh, mad skills I do not have, <laughs> nor, nor do I really want to put in the hours to acquire, but it, it you know, it, it, <laughs> it delivers on its promise, but it combines for me the worst of both worlds in that it's first person. So I have that thing of, oh, I died because I didn't even see where that shot was coming from. Now I will say the game does have indicators when you have an enemy in your area, but he's off screen. It has a little indicator of something. There's someone on your left, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I died so many times just in this demo for, from something that came from off screen or there was a guy I didn't even realize I was trying to deal with one guy and another guy shot me. And so you know, it, it really is a game that you're probably going to die 40 bazillion times, but that's the, that's the thing. I've just never really seen that in first person before. And it's kind of a cool novel thing. It's just not for me. I don't think, but that's ghost runner. <sighs> There's so many of these unto guys. The There's end. So many. Unto the end. I want, I want, the, I want to pick that one. Well, unto the end, I was going to save unto the end. Cause it's by far the, my favorite one that I've played, but since you brought it up, I, I will, uh, talk about it. And to the end is kind of like if limbo and dark souls and below had a baby. It, you uh, know, it only takes two people to have a baby. Well, okay, so if oh, no, Limbo, I, get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Limbo like, and Below had a baby, and that baby was super into Dark Souls. Um, <laughs> Sometimes so, it can take three uh, to raise a family. I understand not everybody. I did not. I, my understanding is it takes a village. That's my. That's what I heard. Um, yes. The two uh, D flat minimalistic art style looks kind of cool, um, and it has that very high contrast, like Limbo or Below. That sort of light is a big deal. If you have a torch in your hand, you're going to need it because it gets completely black in the in the tunnels and the caves that you're going to be exploring. Uh, but this game also, for a 2D game, has a very interesting combat system where you actually have to parry high and low. Uh, it, it starts with a title card that says, "Hey." If you think you can rush into every combat, that's not this game. You have to be patient. You have to watch. You have to choose your moment. That's how the combat in this game is meant to be played. And there's no HUD is, at all, cool. right? Like zero HUD. Zero HUD, but you pull up m- m- menus all the time. I mean, you're pulling mm. up your inventory and you you have to you know shuffle things around. Item management is really interesting. You can drop things when you get into fights. Uh, if you run into a wall or something, you drop everything in your hands. So you have to pick it back up. Um, <laughs> oh, man. It's it's pretty cool. It has some like simulation-y kind of bits to it. Uh, and you know, a couple of slices, and you're you're done for. So you have to really be patient. You have to really watch your enemies and parry their attacks and look for ways in. Uh, but it's got that really kind of um, stark, interesting look to it and it it seems like it's a lot of exploration a lot of finding things and figuring out how to use them kind of like below uh, i am super into this game unto the end it looks great to me um and plays so so different and so interesting um a couple of different uh rpgs that caught my caught my attention that i played a bunch of solasta crown of the magister was one uh what was the other one called um yeah oh it's hard to pronounce the dungeon of naholbeck the amulet of chaos 
<laughs> that's the entire the dungeon of Nahobek colon the amulet of chaos wait are you uh, sure where that those... colon is i do you have the colon i see the Hor- colon horizon yeah no colon there buddy colon. no colon <laughs> uh both of them very cool sort of D experiences turn-based combat love those games uh i played a game i played grounded you see that Grounded had a demo? The new uh, Obsidian, basically Honey, I Shrunk the Kids game uh, has a demo. Played that demo. Super attractive looking game. Yes, it um, is. Did you play it? Yeah, I did. I did. What did you think? It's, it's good. It's good. It's good. I, I love the concept of, of what Obsidian's doing with that. I think it's a lot of fun. It, it's definitely a full-on survival game, oh, which yeah, I, wasn't, for sure. I yep. wasn't aware of. Yeah, it's, you know, mm-hmm. craft things, find materials, craft stuff survive you know bonk ants in the head with pebbles (laughs) run away from spiders that kind of thing uh but it's cool the the it's it's interesting to me how long it took somebody to make a game like this which is such a attractive concept in and of itself where you're tiny and everything that's normal size is huge you know you walk up to a a can of soda and you can walk inside it and live inside it it's it's uh, it's cool. And then, you know, the looming house that you can see, if you look up in the sky, this giant house looming above the giant uh, blades of grass, you know, it's it's a, it's already a compelling concept of being tiny in the backyard, a la Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, so if you're into, if you're into survival games like that, you know, like uh, Conan Exiles or there's so many of them uh, now, um, I think uh, I think it looks really cool, and it, I had fun playing it. So I'm I'm digging it. Multiplayer, all that stuff, and and very beautiful. I think really nice looking game. Um, what else did I play? Uh, Fey Tactics, which is basically like a Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, 16-bit looking thing. It looks really cool. Um, I I'm into that. I'm into any Final Fantasy Tactics kind of game. Into that, uh, Floppy Nights was recommended me to me by a friend of the show who, uh, I, I I didn't wasn't sure what this is. I played this game way longer than I thought I was going to. It's kind of got a goofy kind of uh, kid aesthetic to it. Uh, it's I think it's kind of drawing on some sort of Pokemon style thing where you're this little kid and you've collected like plants and vegetables as your Pokemon kind of deal, your your army of things that you can deploy. Uh, but it's a uh, a turn based grid based combat game where you can continually be adding new monsters to the to the board uh, via cards that you play you have to play cards to move you have to play cards to attack um i I really liked this game floppy knights floppy being a reference to floppy disc because your little your arm is like a old macintosh computer that you feed floppy disks to you have to check this one out i'm not doing it justice uh but really cool game if you're in a turn-based combat uh, complete surprise to me because I, I did not have this one on my radar at all. Floppy nights. Um, and then rift breaker, which, uh, from a look and feel standpoint is a, is, was a high point of, of the games that I played a beautiful top down, sort of a combination between a twin stick shooter and like a base building Starcraft game, real time strategy kind of deal. Uh, you're on a planet 
that has all kinds of resources that you can mine and little critters that are attacking you and bigger critters that are attacking you. And you build your bases to improve new things and get cool stuff. But you're kind of inside this mech that can attack things, but you're also building giant structures and powering them and, um, you know, having to build solar panels and wind power and mine things on the map and expand like you would in a StarCraft game, but done all as sort of a twin stick shooter also. Really cool, exquisite looking, just gorgeous Rift Breaker, uh, major game that I'm going to, I think I'm going to be pouring hours into when it comes out. Um, so I'm surprised you guys didn't play any of these games. There's just so many, there's like dozens and dozens and dozens. I got on Twitter and was like, hey, anybody recommend me the best of these? Because it's almost, it's almost overwhelming how many there are. I rarely no. play demos. Yeah, same. I, I, I typically, don't don't jump into demos unless unless it's a certain one with a seventy seven on the back of it. But um. <laughs> <laughs> like E three is different, and that's yeah. the thing. I I miss E three. Like whether it's the physical thing or just the idea of a one week period where it's like this is the news I'm going to get for the year, and then like anything else, it's kind of like well, you know, whatever. There's other things, but like I can't. I can't keep up between like what's a big thing, what's another thing, the Steam thing. It's like still happening. Like they're still streaming. It seems like I know it is um, constant and it's overwhelming and crazy. And it, it, it is. It makes yeah. me feel like how does any game make money? There, yes. there are so many games. I don't know, understand the business model at a certain point. It's like and, and huh. this these demos showcase my laziness, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna check out some of these. Oh, I've, I've looked at five. I have seven downloading. I don't know what. I, versus like. On E3 show floor or packs, it's like, oh, wow, that looks amazing. I'm going to walk over to it and play it. I'm here. That's what I'm here to do. And when I'm at my house and I have all my other games, I clearly started playing Uncharted 4 again. <laughs> and Paris started playing Witcher 3 again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, I, I, I wonder if that, I mean, there's an interesting conversation to be had there because I feel like the death of demos or the sort of... um the disappearance of demos has been a negative thing from my perspective, because there used to be a time when almost everything had a demo first. Uh, and then that sort of went away and we don't really have game demos anymore. And I always liked them as a way to try before you buy. It sounds like you guys just aren't, don't really agree with that. Paris, what do you think? No, you're not it, it's that I don't disagree, but I, I think I think kind of along the lines, the traditional demo has has kind of kind of died, and and you see more now, obviously with multiplayer things, you'll see a beta come like right before the final right. game comes out, and typically that's something I'll jump into to to kind of get a taste of. I, I don't disagree. The, what Steam this Steam did is great. I, I'll, I'll fully admit, I I kind of flaked on it. <laughs> when they were doing it uh, this week. So that's, that's why I didn't participate. But like, I remember like the Bioshock demo back in, I guess that was 07 or something like that. Right. To me, that was like the last great demo. I remember playing that was like, you just sold me on the game. All right. I'm going to go buy the game just on the strength of this demo. Typically now, like you, like you were saying before, it's like we go to E3. We're obviously seeing all these developer interviews, things like that. These videos, you know, online, I typically make my decision off the back of that more so than me having hands on in a, in a demo situation. 
I, yeah, I get loved it. I get... demos, and I loved the idea of the demos, and I loved Xbox Live Arcade on Xbox 360, where every yes. game had to have a demo. Right. But to me, at this point, for the Steam thing, the, so many of these games are so far out, or and some aren't, some are right around the corner, but like what I want in, in, in my ideal world, and also our listeners, I realize how um, privileged I am and having been able to attend E3 and go to PAX and oftentimes get brought to the front of a line or, or have an appointment and not even need to wait in line. I, I understand. Uh, I understand that. And I, and I understand it. Um, to me, when a demo is most valuable is when it's available at the time of purchase. So it's like, Oh, I've heard a lot about unto the end. I saw it at Xbox's press conference. It looks incredible. I'm so excited to play it. It's out now. I can play a demo. And, and make a yeah. decision or when it comes, you know, it's like, um, some of those multiplayer demos well, or it's like disintegration. No, I thought was a, the, a nice timing for that. Um, I, I would just, the only way I would counter that is that the way this works in this event is, Hey, did you like the demo? Click this and you automatically pre-order it. Right. So yes, they're not coming out right away, but it is a way to clock into a whole bunch of games that wouldn't get any, notoriety or at least i haven't even heard of 90 percent of these games there's so many clever interesting outside the box indie titles in here that now i'm like oh man i can't wait to play that floppy nights i never knew i would be digging that game although floppy nights feels like it needs to come out on switch because it just feels like a switch game completely regardless these are the kinds of games that benefit from getting some exposure, like play them and go, I don't even understand what this concept is, but oh my gosh, I dig it, you know? Yeah, I love that it's happening and I hope people, you know, are more like you than like me and are spending time to play them. To me, I get overwhelmed. It feels like a fire hose. I get intimidated. I have, uh, you know, analysis paralysis and I leave having not played any of them, but having 10 of them on my hard drive. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, it's, it's an excuse and my reason, I guess, but that's personally how I approach it. I was like, I can't handle this. I can't handle it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, um, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up and bonus content after that. So stick around. Lots more show for you to check out. But Paris Lily, thank you so much for being here, sir. What a pleasure it was to talk to you. Once again, thank you for having me. Um, it's it's always a blast to be able to talk. And I, I have to say this real quick. VR. Yeah. Last time I was on, I told you I was completely against VR. Nope, nope. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And and you you gave me the sales pitch. I have to say, if it was not for COVID-19, I would have a Valve Index in my home right now. And I would be playing Half-Life Alex because I'm, I'm in. So I'm to the point now, by this holiday, I will get a Valve Index and I will be embracing Aww. VR. So. Yeah, dude, we'll have to have you back when that happens, yep, uh, if not sooner. But uh, we'll definitely want to talk to you about that. And 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 we have Star Wars Squadrons to come yep. come as, as well, and lots of really great games. And then by hopefully by that point, um, Lone Echo Two will be out. We uh, lots of good stuff. I'm happy to hear that, and I can't wait to hear more. But uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the great things you do online. Uh, you can find me at GamertagRadio.com. Um, you can look me up on Twitter. I'm at Vicious696, and it has links to all the things I do. Where you know we we stream live on Twitch, etc. So, uh, yeah, just just follow me on Twitter. I'm usually rambling about something. Very cool, Christian Spicer. What do you got going on this week? 
Uh, I host the official The Last of Us podcast. Uh, new episodes drop on Tuesdays. Um, and the response has been incredible. Thank you to everybody that's already listening. Um, it, it's really, I'm, I'm very proud of the project and it blows me away to see it connecting with, with so many other listeners as well. So you can find that on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, we're going through part one right now. We start part two, um, Last of Us part two. We start discussing that game in July. So right now we are still talking about Last of Us Part 1. Um, and then Twitter is the best way to keep in touch, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And uh, yeah, I think that's good. Very cool. Um, I am at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have several other shows for you to check out if you're so inclined. Uh, I do a movie review podcast called The Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. I do a comedy science show where we talk about uh, strange stories from science and culture, and then we make uh, make the funny, make the jokes about them. I guarantee you you'll learn something and maybe have a laugh as well. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. Check it out. Also, I do The Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons & Dragons show, long-form epic storytelling very proud of it. I think this last week's episode is one of the best we have ever done. Uh, it is. Uh, it was an extraordinary, extraordinary episode. Highly recommend you checking it out. It was episode 51, but you don't have to worry about jumping into episode one. You can jump right in at any point. Episode 51 is just as great a place to jump in. I recap everything that's happened at the beginning of the show so you can uh, you can hit the ground running. So you can find that. At, actually, we're on IGN right now. Yeah. It's pretty great the IGN YouTube page and the IGN main page. Um, but you can also just search on YouTube for The Dungeon Run. You can find us as an audio podcast, wherever you get audio podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run there as well. Uh, or you can watch live when we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. I just forgot All another right. shameless plug. I, I do apologize. Oh, I, you said IGN and that was like a, a key word for me. So shameless plug, if you're listening to this by June 25th, on June 25th, I will be a part of IGN's Summer of Gaming, and I will be hosting their Night City Wire coverage, the pre and post show for Night City Wire, which is the Cyberpunk 2077 unveil. Congratulations. Whoa, you are dude, the perfect nice. fit for that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> trust, trust me. Super excited for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. Can't wait to tune in for that. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Paris, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yes, uh, because right now it's for free. Um, I suggest everyone watch The Watchmen. The TV show um, that aired on HBO late in 2019. It's nine episodes. It's one season all contained into that. There's not going to be anything else, but it's really, really good. And I would suggest everyone that watches, especially with the current state of the world and everything that's going on, make sure you pay extra attention to episode one, which will touch on the 1921 Tulsa massacre as well as episode six um, with everything going on right now with black lives matter. It's very important. It's, it's scary how 
how how on point that that series is to what's currently going on in the world. So that is my suggestion. Definitely go check out the Watchmen HBO series, which as of this weekend may not catch it when you're listening to this for free, but it's free right now. Very cool. Yeah. What a powerful, powerful series. Christian Spicer, do you have a parting gift? I do. I'm going to, I'm going to throw two out because it just, uh, the Watchmen, yes, incredible. Watch that. Pay for it. If you know, buy it like on iTunes if you don't have HBO or do it a month of HBO Max or whatever. It's it's worth it's watching. It's free right now. It's I'm free. saying but they're giving this comes out on Monday. Oh. Yeah. Is it not? <laughs> yeah, oh, it'll it'll be done by then, unfortunately. So I'm saying even if you missed it, buy it. Like it's 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 that good. Or or do a month of HBO Max. Um I see. in that regard to things that are poignant now and i've mentioned it before but I, after hearing paris i just need to I, I read the most recent issue of heart attack uh the comic book uh skybound and image written by sean kittleson and issue six is uh, it's just incredible it's absolutely incredible and comic book shops right now are you know struggling as much as anybody and if there's a safe way for you to do curbside or something like that from your local comic book shop i recommend supporting them that way um if not, I'm sure I imagine you can find the issue digitally as well. But Heart Attack is a comic book series that continues to blow me away and it, it, it feels important. Um, and now in the least important of these, uh, and I might have mentioned this on the show before also, but as uh, my my work, you know, has transitioned to full time at home, I have found myself for someone who used to love their boots uh, and like hand nice, really nice boots. Uh, Birkenstocks, guys! Oh my gosh, they're the I I, I, I wear nothing, but I'm talking like classic two strap. I think it's the Arizona. Break them in, just the most comfortable thing. It's perfect for summer. I love them so very, very, very. Jeff, if you could see me now, I, I know we would see each other a lot during the day before. If you could see me now, man, it's shorts and Birkenstocks all day, every day. Like I believe it. Mwah, chef's kiss. Christian, Bir- Christian would never. Christian would never not wear like real thick grade jeans. And, no, not thick. Uh, I had summer weight, but selvage. No, denim no, it would be a hundred and twelve outside, and Christian would be in full jeans, an undershirt, and a <laughs> flannel. You know, <laughs> so uh, so I'm glad to see you've loosened up a little bit at least. At home, Birkenstocks, baby. Oh, I love them. I love them. So I'm much. lucky it's- if I wear pants. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let alone I think the rest of us are lucky when you wear pants. Also. I'm I'm barefoot all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? There's no <laughs> there's no shoes, shoes. What need shoes? <laughs> all right, what do you have? Uh, well, <laughs> I have a I have a parting gift. Uh, I also have a listener suggested parting gift. I was I was gonna do this, and then I kind of feel like it's in. Uh, it feels kind of weird to do it, but I'm still gonna do it. I think it was, it was a very nice email. Uh, This comes from John. He says, uh, I'm a small business owner. I have a brick and mortar store with six employees. This has hands down been the most stressful time of my life. I'm doing what I can to keep my staff employed and working from home and keep the business afloat, but it's been bad. In the past few weeks, I've been obsessing over COVID-19 news articles and all of the things that have kept me glued to subreddits about the virus, small businesses, and my industry specifically. And then I started thinking about where my own spiral was leading me. I decided to limit my news and intake to 10 minutes a day for anything I actually needed to know. And I would also insert something into my downtime that would take my mind off of current events to help calm me down so that I could function better for myself, my employees, and my family. Uh, 
I decided to start listening to the Dungeon Run as a podcast. Uh, Jeff has said in his pitches about the show on DLC and Slash Film that the Dungeon Run is the project he's most proud of. He absolutely should be. It's so much more than another podcast. It's incredible storytelling. I'm currently on episode 22. There are action-packed combat encounters, harrowing moments, truly emotional turns, hilarious NPCs, and I am absolutely hooked. It's made me laugh, cry, gasp, stop what I'm doing, and sit and listen to a moment play out. The cast is so, so good. It has been an absolute lifesaver for me. I can check out for a while and listen to an entertaining story play out, clear my mind, and then get back to my day without feeling so incredibly trapped by the real world. I highly, highly recommend checking it out. On the side note, please support your local businesses while still remaining safe. Buy gift cards if you're able, leave reviews for places you like, or even just a call to tell them you appreciate their service the last time you were there could make a world of difference for that person. Uh, so that's John who sent in uh, that parting gift of my show. And I know it's a little self-serving, but I'm, I'm proud of it. And I certainly want to send John my best for his small business. I hope things have improved and continue to do so. And um, I'm honored, frankly, that uh, my show can have any positive effect um, during that difficult time. So thanks, John. For sending that in. If you want to send in your parting gift, you can About do so. The Last of Us podcast or something like that. You know, if you wanted to to send that email in, um, uh, how, could dude, they, how could they do that, Jeff? Everyone's loving that show, man. You should be very proud of it. It's quite, quite good. Um, but uh, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, John. If you want to have your uh, parting gift read on the show, please send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. As I said, we have some, or as Christian pointed out, we have some. No, what's your bonus what's, content for what's, you? What's your what's your parting gift? Oh, my parting gift. My parting gift is a uh, stand-up comedy routine I saw on uh, Netflix. If you have seen Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, which was sort of her breakout amazing thing, I think was probably one of my uh, parting gifts whenever that came out because it floored me. It was so amazing. Um, she uh, has followed up Nanette with Douglas. She says, you know, it's her. Her sophomore album, if she didn't already do 10 albums before Nanette, <laughs> she's a, a very uh, experienced stand-up comic uh, who kind of reached this new level of stardom with this this Nanette, which was extraordinary. Uh, and I think Douglas is every bit as good. It is different. It is fascinating. Uh, she does this amazing thing at the beginning where she basically tells you everything she's going to say and then says it. And uh, it's just clever and funny and makes you think and uh it's it's great so it's on netflix hannah gadsby douglas and if you haven't seen nanette i would recommend starting there all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc stick around for our uh, bonus content but i have to thank paris lily and christian spicer for hanging out with me i have to thank all of the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time making the show better we appreciate you i have to thank our musical contributors patrick l sean madigan zero star for making those awesome bumpers we love them we appreciate them and we love and appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the show thank you for taking time and putting us in your ear holes we appreciate it we'll see you next time until then think about what you put out into the world make it a better place Through the valley of the shadow of death.
everybody. Welcome to this special uh, bonus content of this episode of DLC. If you've been listening to the show at all or the official The Last of Us podcast, you know I'm a big fan of The Last of Us. Jeff and I both love it. And so when this opportunity came up, I was very excited to to, to do this. Um, I am sitting down with, well, I'm sitting, I don't know if he's sitting, uh, probably. We're sitting down, separate, but together via this podcast. Um, he's a musician, uh, folk, blues, uh, you know him. You know his work. Trust me when I say that. I'm talking to Mr. Sean James. Sean, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Christian. Thank you so much for having me. So I set it up vaguely, but you know, we're talking The Last of Us. People right. have definitely heard probably more of your music than they know they've heard, I feel like is it's often the case. But particularly as we're talking The Last of Us, uh, how do they know your music? <laughs> I'll let you uh, walk them through it because it's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think that people, especially in the video game world, would probably know my music from the uh, original reveal trailer for The Last of Us 2, which came out at the end of 2016. Um, it features Ellie singing my song Through the Valley in the trailer, and it's a beautiful rendition, and they used it perfectly. Uh, and, you know, I didn't know anything about it before that trailer dropped. Um, wow. I, knew, I knew that, you know, I knew the song was being used by a company from Sony PlayStation, but they didn't want to give me too much. So right, it, right. it was a shock to me that it was The Last of Us 2 as soon as it was a shock to everybody else that it was happening, you know. So it, it was a beautiful moment for me. Yeah, it's such an incredible performance. And, you know, with the, the graphics of the game and Ellie's rendition or... Ashley, Ellie, Ashley, the same person, uh, <laughs> but the character performing your song right. and you're certainly, uh, you know, um, have, you've covered other people's music. Um, and I, I'm curious what it was like in this instance, though, having your music covered in, in such a, a, I mean, a splashy way for lack of a better word, right? Like this was a big reveal yeah. And here is this game getting this big treatment and your song is, I mean, I hope I'm not overstating, at least to me, your song is, is that trailer. Like without that song, I don't know what that trailer is. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, um, it, it helped me out a lot. You know, I'm a DIY musician. I have been. And that trailer coming out just exposed my music to a whole new audience that had no idea. So I'm, eternally thankful to Naughty Dog and Neil Druckmann and the whole crew at Last of Us, you know, absolutely. Can you talk about at all, uh, like how it kind of came about? I know you said you didn't know it was for The Last of Us, but was it, you know, an envelope that's like, we want to use your song in <laughs> this thing? And you're like, sure. And I hope fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure it was in 2014 or so I got an email from Sony PlayStation and they said they were interested in my song through the Valley and they just wanted to talk with me a little bit. So I was like, Oh man, this must be a scam. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, it's kind of immediately. Reset where your password. Went. What's your mom's maiden <laughs> yeah. name? Uh. Yeah, exactly. I've got, you know, an inheritance is left to you. So yeah, that, that was my thinking, <laughs> but I messaged them back and I was like, yeah, I would love more information on this. Of course, I'm interested, you know, and they came back. Um, and I think because they didn't want to give too much away, no one knew there was going to be a second one. 
you know, and they didn't, yeah. they were working on it for so long that it really were tight on the info. So they said, you know, it's a top tier game. We'll use the song. They didn't tell me how they were going to use it. If someone else was going to be covering it, all this stuff. And at first I was a little hesitant to let them use it, you know, because they're so personal to me, my songs, and especially that one. Uh, so I talked to a couple friends about it and they were like, look, at the end of the day, it's a huge opportunity, you know, and they chose that specific song. Why would they choose that one? They must have a vision for it, you know? So I took a gamble and I just ran with it and I said, all right, let's do it. And I think about a year and a half went by and I didn't hear a word or anything. Whoa. I was like, huh. And then at the end of 2016, I think it was in December, early December, I got an email from them again. And they were like, hey, you should watch this uh, PlayStation Experience <laughs> event. And I was like, what? Okay, this is the first message I get in years. Like, this must be... Trying to get uh, some clicks for their yeah. thing. <laughs> it, has to be, it has to be the reveal or something, you know. So I'm logged in. I'm watching it. And it's a long one. I think it was like three hours or something. And it, I've been watching it the whole time and nothing's happened. And I was like, man, they save the best for last for these things, don't they? And uh, they certainly did. You know, I waited. And then the last trailer for the game in the uh, the uh, uh, broadcast was the Last of Us 2 trailer. And then, boom, there you have it. Immediately, all my friends are hitting me up, messaging me like, did you hear this? What the hell? You know, it was it was very surreal for sure. Yeah. Um, the game is out as people are listening to this, but I don't really want to talk too much about it because they haven't had like specifics of the game. Most people haven't had a, a lot of time to play it, but I'd love to talk about that, what the song means to you. Cause I've experienced it in the game and in the trailer mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say it fits, you know, it, it's, it's a, a fitting song for so much of what that game is about and represents, but I'm right. curious kind of what that song meant to you and, and kind of what it still means to you. Cause I imagine it's still, still a very personal song. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I was raised in the South side of Chicago and, uh, my parents put me in, I was raised in a very religious upbringing and not that that's a bad thing, but with this one, it was a very intense upbringing and Pentecostal and just, uh, a very overwhelming experience for me. And I was forced to go to this church pretty much all the time, every day of the week. I went to school there, everything else. Uh, the issue is mainly that I wasn't really accepted as one of their own. I was kind of an outcast and, you know, it was what it was. I got through it. And when I turned 18, it was like I was gone. You know, I just took off. Um, but I didn't hold any grudges. I just wanted to go out and live on my own and do my own thing without judgment or anything like that, you know. Um, and so I did. And, you know, it'd been years and years down the line after I left. And then I get a call from my little sister who's 12 years younger than me. And she's crying. And I said, what's going on? What's wrong? And she proceeds to tell me that she's going through a lot of the same stuff that I went through when I was younger and that she's starting to have these dark thoughts about life and looking at herself not in the best light and taking other people's opinion of her as her own opinion of herself. And, you know, after calming her down and relating to her and telling her my story and kind of some of the things I did that helped me get through it. I got off the phone when she was calmed down and my blood was boiling. I was so mad that she was having to go through the same stuff that I went through that I picked up a guitar and I immediately started writing through the valley. It just came out, you know, and it's at its core, it's a song about anti-discrimination and anti 
you know, people who put themselves up on a pedestal and look down on other people saying that they're not good enough to be up where they are for one reason or another. And that's the core of it. And so I think because of the way I was feeling in that moment and, you know, based on the experiences I had, I created this character, this man who's been wrong so many times that he decides to cut himself off from civilization and just go out on his own and live by his own rules and his own methods and his own perspectives. And that uh, song, Through the Valley, is basically from the perspective of that man that I created. And that's his perspective going through life and how, you know, it deals with vengeance and uh justice and sadness and depression and violence and all sorts of stuff like this, which goes hand in hand with uh, The Last of Us. So I think Neil chose the perfect song. You know, honestly, it feels like it was written for the game, just given the post-apocalyptic and emotional feel of the game itself. But that pretty much is, uh, I'd say that sums it up in a, in a long little story there. That's pretty much how I wrote it, why I wrote it. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, total ignorance that I'll, you know, own up to on my part. And I heard it, I was like, even in the trailer, it was like, oh, this is an original song. Like, this is, you know, created for this. It's certainly in the video game space, not, hasn't been uncommon to hear, like, the stepped down version of a pop song or something like that, right? I think it was right, right. War. Mad World, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and everyone's done a version of that now. And so I was like, oh, well, this isn't a Pixies song that's been, you know, <laughs> turned into this. Like this is, it's so haunting and it seems to fit this so well. And yeah. the performance hit. And then like I imagine so many other people after we heard it, I went out and, and looked for it and um, not to take anything away from the cover. The cover is phenomenal. And, and I think they did a great job, but your version, there is a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, but just, Passion isn't quite right, but that's all I can come up with right now. But it, yeah, it's, it, it's I, haunting in a different way. Like Ellie right. sings it slower, and, and I feel like you're bringing this, I guess, from that story. Like I feel like I could feel yeah. that hurt or, or anger in you, and it, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you nailed it. That um, it, 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 That is intensity, I think, my version. Because, you know, I'm singing it from a different perspective, you know, not only with my feelings of everything, but then the perspective of this man that I created and what he would feel like and what he would be saying and what he would be thinking and the way that he would be singing. And, you know, when I heard Ellie's version, I was like, oh, bravo, you know, throwing roses on the stage. Like you, you did it. <laughs> she did it so well because, you know, that's one thing. Like I cover songs too every now and then. And one of my pet peeves is when an artist will take a song and just cover it word for word, note for note, just a, a a perfect replica of the original. Well, to me, you know, it's, I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but in my opinion, no one can ever do the original like the original artist, you know? So why are you trying to do it the exact same, you know? So I like it when people take it and make it their own and put their own spin on it. And it adds a sense of genuineness and authenticity, which is exactly what Ashley did. You know, she absolutely crushed the performance. I heard she went to a vocal coach and had some help because the translation of the way I sang to, you know, how she was supposed to was a little bit of a difficult task, I can imagine. Oh, sure. Yeah. To take that and to make it into what Ellie's voice would be. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it kind of has a more, you know, it's a more subtle, it's a more slight and kind of sad and, but also hopeful in a weird way. Like there's something, you know, I don't know, just gives me chills. <laughs>
Yeah, and this isn't the first time that your music has been used uh, in, you know, other film, TV. I'm curious if you, I mean, I guess we talked about it, you know, the the person dressed in black, Will Smith showed up, you know, flashed your eyes afterwards. You wouldn't remember <laughs> it was for the last of us. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if that pro, if that's similar to other times when, you know, a show reaches out and like, hey, we want to use your music in this show. I imagine yeah. it's not always so clandestine and sometimes it's <laughs> a little more forthcoming perhaps. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I was actually talking to my wife about this earlier today, how involved and passionate Neil and the crew that he works with are. And, you know, I've had placements before and I'm not, you know, talking bad on them. It's great. I love it when a placement happens because you get this exposure and hopefully new people check out the music. And as an independent musician, that, you know, really helps. But, you know, I feel like there's this thing that happens with a lot of placements. It's like, all right, we want your song. All right, here's the money. Sign in the dotted line and it's done. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it airs and it's just done and no one really cares. And it's just like, oh, cool. It was in the background and you can brag about it and post about it on your social media and point people at it. But it's not anything more than that. Typically with this, um, I was expecting that, you know, <laughs> just like in my past experiences and the just awareness and you know, detailed care of handling and the way they used it and just everything that went about it. It's, it's a whole new experience for me. I feel like I'm a part of this kind of uh, naughty dog last of us family. Now, you know, they have a huge community, which I sadly didn't know much about. I knew about the last of us. I think I might've like, you know, seen a friend playing it or played a level or two, but I'd never actually gone through it myself before finding out about the trailer. So um yeah yeah i kind of lost my train of thought there <laughs> no it's 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 perfect and i feel like it's such a great song to have that connection with ellie and i think it's today as we're recording this they announced the kind of the partnership they have with the last of us two guitars and i love right. seeing stuff like that kind of in the real world where it's taking this thing yeah it had this connection with people and now they can continue you know hopefully um bring that music into their lives themselves. And I'm picturing a world where there, are, you know, we don't have conventions anymore, uh, <laughs> but in a world where we still did like, yeah, you know, the people doing covers of Ellie's or Ashley's Ellie's version of your song. And like this kind of beautiful circle of like it, like you mentioned, you know, new people get exposed to the music and, and finding ways that it can connect and, um, heal and help them also it's 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 a beautiful thing there you go man that's that's the core of why you know we do what we do because it helps not only ourselves release this emotion and feeling but hopefully inspires someone else makes them feel and possibly helps them out through something and lets them release something that maybe they couldn't before you know so i think you nailed it right there for sure uh i have a few last little things that are mostly selfish for me and then i can wrap it up uh, <laughs> Typically, when you're writing, are you a lyrics? Are you a hook? Are you, is it always different? Like, what's the process for a typical song? Is it, oh man, I have to get this album out because I'm going on tour again and I got to finish these last five songs, you know, lock the door, don't come in here? Or kind of how do you approach um, music and songwriting generally? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Every time I get asked something like this after I've had a new experience with writing, my answer changes almost because <laughs> in the past it was very, you know, see and say or, you know, uh, but 
the truth is, is that I don't really have a pattern that I follow completely every time. You know, sometimes it's uh, some a phrase that I think of that I'm like, whoa, I, I just built a world in my head off that phrase. Like I can see this and see where it's going. So it starts with the lyrics or just a phrase. And then sometimes it'll be a cool little riff I'm playing on the guitar that I'm just vibing on and it just comes to me, you know. But I will say now after years of doing this that my favorite way to write songs is when the music and the lyrics are inspiring inspiring each other at the same time because the thing that i noticed when i would write the lyrics first and then try to make the music fit the lyrics it's like it was a box i was trying to put it into and then hmm. vice versa when i have the music done sometimes i would be building these lyrics to the box of the music and it almost held it back not that it's bad a lot of people do it that way and i've done it that way but there's something about it over the years that I've grown to move away from. And my favorite is when, you know, I have that phrase. Let's say I have a phrase that I, I want to use and kind of humming it to myself. Or I have a guitar chord and a little two or three chord uh, repetition I'm doing. And I like to just repeat that and then kind of come up with it at the same time. And then, oh, man, that's a cool line. So I write that down. And then I like it when the music inspires the lyrics and the lyrics inspires the music because then you get this... I don't know. It's a cohesive in a, in a whole new way than um, if you didn't do it that way. And that's, that's my experience, but that's my favorite. I would say. <laughs> when uh, I'm going to use the secret here. Um, so I, for your next song, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm trying to get this phrase in your head. <laughs> All right. And it let's goes hear it. Uh, a little something like this is the theme song for the last of us part three, which is a game <laughs> Neil and naughty dog are going to make something like that, you know, just got just it. To, Put it into the world, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Every year, or not every, I guess every other, every four years, uh, there's always that one song that seems to me to get attached to the Olympics. And it's always like, it's so fitting, right? I'm like, this artist wrote this, like the song is, it, it always feels like the lyrics are like, I got the gold, I did my best, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, or like They're Rocky. Like, oh, you knew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think video games need that too, where it's like, uh, you know, I got it. We'll we'll inspire and encourage Neil to, you know, get to thinking about what's coming next. You know, yeah, Uncharted <laughs> Five, we're gonna make it. You know, or something. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, if you were to give some advice to someone who is, you know, looking to express themselves musically, and maybe they, you know, sitting home right now, especially, um as people are spending more time at home, like what are steps you recommend for someone who wants to get into it and kind of take that first step into, um, you know, pen to paper or fingers to, to strings and, and kind of get started as a way to, you know, like this song for you for through the Valley, like getting this thing out there, this thing you had to talk about. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom for people who might feel this kind of pent up emotion or looking a way to get it out? Yeah. You know, it's, it's something I've noticed over the years is it's different for everybody, you know, but for those that have that musical inclination, it's really in the beginning, it's kind of like, you know, any kind of a rough draft or an edit of anything, you know, you just got to put it out there and put it on the paper and see how you're feeling or, you know, write it down and just, it doesn't have to be perfect at all. You know, when I get them, when I get uh, inspired, I'll just whip up my phone and just get a quick recording of it because oftentimes that kind of inspirational moment will disappear and then I'll just forget about it. And 
I think a lot of people are self-conscious. I was very self-conscious for a long time, you know, and still am about things at times. But I think that when you feel something that strong and it needs to get out, you'll find a way to make it happen, you know, and that's the one of the biggest things for me that helped me was watching and learning from musicians of the past. You know, I would watch and track these artists that I respected and see the way that they did something, see the way that they wrote a song, dissected a little bit and see what made me feel. Why do I like that song? Is it the tone, the atmosphere? Is it the phrasing of the lyrics or maybe the way they said something? You know, I learned a lot just from listening and watching what my heroes and my, uh, musicians that I love did. And I feel like I learned a lot through that. You know, a lot of people go with traditional teaching and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but I was never traditionally taught how to songwrite or how to play guitar or anything like that. It just came to me. So I I don't know what I'm trying to get to here, but you'll find a way if it's important enough, you're going to get it out because it has to come out and, you know, use the tools you have and don't be ashamed of it. Put it out there. Yeah, I love that, especially the part of just like getting it down some way so you don't lose it. I think a lot of people, you know, you have this thought and it's like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. It's like, well, get it started, you know, take yeah. out your phone, make that voice yeah. memo, whatever it needs to to get it down. Um, Everyone listening to this needs to go listen to your version, the original of Through the Valley. Uh, I want to help. I want to let you point people to the right place. Where can people go to listen to that, find out uh, more about all of your work and kind of keep in touch with you um, to hear all the amazing stuff you're putting out into the world? Yeah, they can go to any streaming services, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer. You can go to my website, seanjamesmusic.com. YouTube, where, you know, we've got stuff up there. through the Valley, I believe, is featured in the game. And I've got another song that we're releasing um, on the same day the game comes out, June 19th, called The Guardian. And it is directly tied to Ellie in the game. I don't know if I want to give away too much because it's kind of a cool surprise. And I haven't even experienced it yet. But that oh, I won't coming. tell you then. Yeah, I won't, I won't, I'll, I'll, mums the word as we're recording yeah, this still before yeah. the game is out a few days. Yeah. Mums, I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm waiting myself. But yeah, we're pretty much available everywhere. You just type in the name Sean James, S H A W N, and yeah, check it out. You know, we tour pretty heavily, or we did till this year started. We were in Europe a week into our two month tour over there, and then all this uh, COVID stuff happened and it got canceled. So our tour year's gone. But you know, we love touring all around the world and we can't wait to get back at it and hopefully meet everybody um, who wants to hear it live. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Sean is the website. Through the Valley is the song. You already know. You already know. Among others, you've, you, you've heard uh, whether it's on Shameless or somewhere else, wherever you've experienced it. Um, but, but Sean, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate your right. time. Yeah, this was wonderful. I can't walk on the path of the right cause I'm wrong